everybody to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 100. Woohoo! Woo! The car go wild. Well, just me anyway. All we need now is an actual crowd, and then we can make a go of that. Recording this on Wednesday, the 11th of June, 2014. I'm Steve Litchfield. With me, Rafe Blandford. How are you doing, Rafe? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Steve. I'm delighted to get to 100 Windows Phone Podcasts. Of course, we've done a whole bunch more in the Symbian world, so our total is actually getting quite close to the uh, 500 mark, which feels like an awful lot of podcasts. And thank you to everyone who's been listening. And indeed, if you're a new listener, thank you for you know, tuning in for the first time or one of the first times. We always cover Windows Phone in sort of a conversational style on this podcast, but also trying to offer you a bit of insight from people who have been using smartphones be they na- labelled Nokia or Microsoft for many years. I quite like to think what the collective uh, year total experience is on this podcast, but it's certainly uh, getting up there. So I know we've got a lot to uh, talk about this week, Steve. So what's the first item on the agenda? Well, this is a comment made by one of our regular readers on the site, Robert Wigley, and w- people have been moaning about, well, I've got this Lumia, whatever, and I've upgraded it to the Windows Phone 8.1 preview, and these bits are working, these bits aren't working, and it's, it's all unstable, and things aren't working as I... And you think, no, come on, A, it's a developer preview, and but even more than that, uh, Robert, Robert says, people seem to forget um, that using Windows Phone 8.1 developer preview without the Cyan firmware update is comparable to using Windows 8.1 with Windows 7 or Vista drivers. It will run as it's based on the same kernel and driver model, but it's not been optimized. There are bound to be glitches. Whether the Windows Phone 8.1 developer preview release you now have is finished or not, this is not the consumer release. A perfect example of this, he says, is that Bluetooth 4.0 LE, that's low energy, is disabled in the developer preview as it requires a driver update that's coming in Lumia Science. So the bottom line is, well, thank you, for Robert, for that comment, is that people... None of us should really complain too much at this stage. We're in a kind of halfway house. We've got parts of Windows Phone 8.1, and yet we haven't got the full package, and we certainly haven't got the, the Nokia written bits. I know they're part of Microsoft now. But we haven't got the Nokia written bits in Cyan that will complete the package. And I think we've, well, we're looking now at a late June, early July for the over-the-air updates. And at that point, at that point, we will have a rounded package of OS and platform updates and applications. And at that point, I think we can pass judgment, Rafe. Uh, uh, yeah, it's an excellent point. I mean, the only phone that was really running uh, Lumia Cyan is the Nokia Lumia 630. I guess we should be calling it the Microsoft Lumia 630 now. I don't think that's running Cyan, Rafe. I think it's just running a, a early version of Windows Phone 8.1. It's certainly not bug-free. And uh, looking at the, the Nokia applications, things like the Nokia camera, for example, um, they're certainly not the, lo- the um, same interface as we promised for, for Lumia Cyan. So I don't think the 630 runs full Cyan either. Yes, I mean, there's a kind of a definition issue here. In, if you ask uh, Microsoft, they will say it's running the, the kind of the Cyan software, but you don't really feel the full advantage of that. And the camera is a good example on the low-end devices. And I think you're actually right. It's effectively running uh, a preview version, but it certainly applies to the other devices when you're on the developer preview. Yeah. I mean, I, I hesitate to sort of, give an excuse here but actually on all the devices from you know when it's the first version there do tend to be uh, glitches and you know as with any software update you, you do, do then get subsequent updates delivered and they often are much less visible they they come along more quietly um, and so i'd be you know, a bit hesitant for everyone criticizing talking about bugs you know there's kind of this double thing one it is the developer preview and secondly there will be sort of 
updates continuing to be delivered. And I suspect by the time this over-the-air update uh, comes, it will actually be a couple of version numbers on from where the, the 630 is, and we'll certainly see that uh, in the Cyan parts of it, but also presumably in the 8.1 update. I mean, as we talked about last week, there had been an update to the developer preview, and as I said last week, can't actually tell you what's new. Um, and I can't say that I've noticed a big difference in battery life or stability, but then I wasn't having uh, real problems, especially after that kind of first update, which did really improve the battery life. Uh, but it's a, it's a great point that Robert makes in that we've been talking about Windows Phone 8.1 now since April, and we're now just getting into sort of the middle of June. It, it's a bit unfair to talk about it in the same token, you know, with Apple having just announced iOS 8. And people sort of saying, oh, that's not complete in some places. Well, it's not because it's kind of the beta version or the developer preview. That kind of applies to Windows Phone here as well. I think there's less excuse on the 630. And if I was going to criticize Microsoft at all, I'd say the 630, has it been launched a little bit early? Was the software not quite ready? There was that suggestion that Windows Phone 8.1 was kind of running a little bit late. And so I think they got less of an excuse there. But certainly anyone running the developer preview needs to realize preview is labeled that way for a reason. Yeah. And just uh, talking of the 630, let's segue seamlessly into that. Mm -hmm. Um, You talked about software not being perhaps fully rounded. Now, there's one good example of that before we delve into the 630's other attributes, Rafe. On the screen of the 630, we have the virtual Windows phone controls. Now, in the the videos we've seen from the SDK, etc., etc., there's been a little arrow at the very left-hand edge of that virtual control bar, which lets you swipe it away so you could use the full screen for displaying particular content, and then you bring it back, presumably, with a swipe from the bottom of the screen. That's not in the 630, and the only reason I can think of is the fact that it was it's supposed to be there, but they haven't actually finished that feature yet and tested it on this device. So my guess is that that, for example, will come in the first 630 firmware update. Yeah, I mean, that thing isn't necessarily going to be present all the time. It's actually going to be in applications that support that uh, swiping away. And I've talked about this a little bit on previous podcasts in that sometimes it will automatically go into full screen mode. But uh, developers, now this does apply in theory to some of the built-in apps, but from what Steve's saying, it's not quite present there. It doesn't do it at all yet we, <laughs> in any of the applications. <laughs> should make it clear, I've only seen the prototype. Uh, Steve has seen the consumer release. So... Um, as I understand it, there are going to be some apps that do this. They're not there in this uh, first release. And it will be possible for third-party developers to apply this as well. They'll have to put an extra setting in the app manifest file. It's just a configuration file, which effectively says, you know, run this in full screen and have this uh, swipe away. But it sounds like that's not quite there. And it's, you're right. It's a good example of where the software just yeah. a little bit more fine-tuning to do. I know other people have talked a little bit about the battery life of the 630. I think we have to be careful there. Because as a, a low-end device, sometimes the performance isn't quite as good as you'll have on a higher-end device. And, you know, relatively speaking, the the battery capacity on the Lumia 630, while it's generous, isn't necessarily matching what you'll find on some of the competing devices. And they've done that in order to keep it relatively slim and light. And I don't know what your impression was, Steve, but one of the things that really stood out for me about the 630 is how good it felt in the hand for a, a, a device that costs £100. I mean, Motorola have managed to do this with their kind of e-device as well. And there's a couple of others out there. But most of the time, these devices feel a bit, you know, cheap and plasticky. And actually, a comparison can be made maybe with the Lumia 520, very similar in terms of kind of launch pricing, actually, 630 slightly cheaper. But it feels quite well built in the hand, and it feels like there isn't much flex in it. Um, did you find that in the kind of the consumer release as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. The the design language has changed very slightly. It's now got more angular sides with less curves on the back, which I prefer because I find it easier to grip. And certainly the material on the, the matte black version is really grippy and, uh, and there's been no danger of dropping it so far. It's very, very well built. Uh, I did say in my review, Rafe, that um, I know this is the 6 series, not the 5 series, but it, it feels like the follow-up to the 520 in a way. The specification level is kind of along the same lines and the pricing level is along the same lines. So, heck, if there is a 530 coming along, it really will have to be bargain basement pricing. And I suspect they may just get leave the 630 as the, the budget model and a very good budget budget model is too yeah i think it'll depend on the market i mean certainly there's been a few rumors floating around about the 530 and given that windows phone now does support the even lower end uh, chipsets it's certainly possible for microsoft to introduce a 530 at a lower price cost i think we will see that for some of the emerging markets um it's not really possible at this point to say when i wouldn't be surprised to see it later in the summer for example especially leading up to the christmas market but as it yeah. stands, the 630 kind of takes, in my mind, the place of the 520 in a lot of markets, you know, particularly the Western European ones, maybe some of the Asian markets, as the best budget Windows phone you can buy, and actually makes a pretty good claim to be one of the best budget smartphones you can buy full stop. Now, I think a lot of people would put in a shout for some of the Android devices out there. I've already mentioned the, the Motorola E, and there, there are a couple of others in a sort of similar specification or price level. But of course, you also have to consider the software. And we've said before that Windows Phone, I think it's particularly true in its 8.1 guys, now that fills in a few of the gaps, works really well as a kind of a, a smartphone for someone who's not obsessed by the technology. It's so easy when we talk about a device like this is to kind of compare it against the 1020, 1520, the 930. But that's a completely false comparison. Because after all, you can buy basically five of these for the cost of one of the high-end devices. And so you have to consider it in its context. And I was really impressed by the 630. I mean, there are some interesting cuts they've been made that I didn't necessarily agree with all of them, even when you do put it in that kind of perspective. I wonder if um, you came across any scene that particularly stood out, and then I'll share the one that I think um, was my personal one. I thought, hmm. Well, I'm going to guess that you're going to talk about the front-facing camera, so I'll talk about something different. Okay. (laughs) Um, The screen is... Okay, it's uh, it's laminated rather than C- clear black display. Now, Nokia still say it's CBD in the specs, but I've been debating this with Nokia. It's not the full um, o- opposite circular polarizer CBD. We've known it every other CBD device for the last three or four years. But it is an attempt to improve contrast and, and diminish reflectivity in sunlight, and it does work slightly better than the 520. And I, I'm guessing that the, putting CBD into the screen layers probably cost them $5 or so, and that is a significant amount of the bill cost, so you can kind of forgive that. Um, the resolution is WVGA, which I think actually works quite well for a low-end device. I've handed the 630 to several people who are not geeks, and not one of them said, oh, no, the screen's so pixelated. So I don't think it really isn't a problem for that target market. So I guess the screen would be, and the, the, the outdoor contrast would be the one area that I particularly uh, kind of wish they'd gone that extra mile. But I'm guessing you're going to talk about the camera? Well, the front-facing camera is certainly one of them, but I just want to mention another aspect of the screen in that it doesn't have auto-brightness control. Now, part of me was a bit horrified by this because it's something that's pretty much standard on every phone that I've seen in recent years, and that's powered by the ambient light sensor. It will you know, take a look at what the lighting conditions are and adjust the level of screen brightness to match that. On reflection, and that wasn't an intended part, <laughs> um, 
I'm not sure how much this really matters on a budget device. I kind of need to use one for a few weeks in different lighting conditions to sort of see if the visibility drops. Because as Steve was suggesting there, when you do take it into bright sunlight, you know, visibility isn't great no matter what you do. Um, I, th- I do think it's worth saying it's actually pretty good compared to some of the other devices in this price category. And it, we're really only criticizing it because the Lumia range has done such a good job in this area in the past and for some people it's completely irrelevant because they don't use their phones outside all that much or you know you can get good enough visibility by holding your phone your hand over the screen or just standing in the shade and we are being really picky here but i mean i agree with steve the screen is the one thing i don't like being cut and i don't mean in terms of resolution because i think that gets overplayed massively how important it is it's actually the quality of the screen that matters this is where of course you know things like CBD come in and yeah as you say it's been labeled CBD but maybe we should be uh, referring to somewhat tongue-in-cheek as CBD light you also (laughs) mentioned that front-facing camera it does feel strange Steve said this in his review that you know Microsoft has put a lot of money into you know giving Skype integration and particularly in Windows Phone 8.1 you can actually now switch from a a cellular call over to Skype and actually most of the time you're going to want to do that is with video and you know you can obviously turn it around, use the rear-facing camera, but lining everything up and then, of course, seeing the other person on the screen is you know, impossible <laughs> unless, I guess, you get a mirror or something. <laughs> you know, a front-facing camera is a really small you know, component cost, but probably not even talking a dollar. And so it, it sometimes feels like Nokia introduces this artificial kind of segmentation, you should call it um, Microsoft, really. But, you know, it was Nokia that came up with and conceived this product, as it has done for the next you know, four or five products we'll see. That's it's just the nature of development timescales. So particularly with something with a six on the front of it, I could have understood it on the five. Um, it, it feels like a kind of a missing component to me. Um, and I have talked to a couple of, you know, people in operator shops and in other mobile phone shops and like car phone warehouse in the UK. And they say for certain you know, segments, it's a really big deal if that's not there because yeah. they, you know, video is an important part of what they do. And it also seems, you know, I cringe to use 2014 as the year of the selfie, but it seems to be a really big thing. And to miss that out altogether, particularly when you've got things like Glammy available, seem, seems a bit of a shame. Um, I guess it comes back to, you know, what it's been numbered as. The 630, I mean, people will start thinking about the 620 and the 625, in some ways, the 630 sits in between them in terms of the size and the screen and things like that. Um, but this isn't a small phone like the 620. It's actually, I would say, a, a closer relation to the 625 in many ways. But there's actually been quite a bit of bumped up under the hood, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like a 530 to me. But I guess um, uh, Microsoft or Nokia didn't want to sort of then have something come in below it also in that five number range which certainly the you know the silicon the processor supported by windows phone suggests it will be coming at snapdragon sort of uh, 200 level um 430 yeah traditionally uh, nokia has never used the four number presumably because it's uh, a number that's considered unlucky in some cultures and there's some uh, naming and pronunciation problems as well if you look back uh, the four is never used as the first number of a product and um obviously the three series is being used for asher and some of Nokia's other feature phone products um, as well. So I guess we should get too hung up on that. But one thing I did want to talk about was because it is running this effectively next generation chipset, there are some 
extra features in it which are somewhat surprising for a, a budget device and one of those is support for um, mirror sync the ability to display uh, the contents of the screen wirelessly now that can be supported by monitors more commonly it's going to be in tvs or dongles or sometimes uh, set-top boxes as well but it basically means over a uh, local wi-fi network you can mirror your screen up onto a tv that's great if you're watching something like video but also if you want to play back a bit of music content show off a few photos um, it works if you've got the right equipment pretty seamlessly you'll just be able to have either your tv will do it automatically you may have to put it into this uh, mirror sync mode and on the phone it's very easy to set up you know we've had uh, nokia's done a couple of solutions before to kind of do that sh screen sharing or support for uh, dna and upmp connectivity but actually using uh this mirror sync technology is it's just a bit more uh, seamless and actually it will share everything on the screen and it's it's nicely done on the the, the 630 i saw a demo of it and i was quite impressed with this uh, but it's not something i'd really have expected to see in a in a low-end device and obviously this is something that's going to come to the rest of the lumia range as well a couple of the existing devices i think the 1520 is going to get this too um, but otherwise it's going to be on this next generation and there's also the motion chip inside the 630 this is the ability to kind of record your footsteps it's actually kind of an accelerometer feature without really running down the battery and essentially what happens is there's a bit of co-processor uh, going on that means you can have that sensor on all the time without running the main processor and running the battery down and if you switch that on it will start storing data immediately and then apps will be able to go and get it at the moment the only app that i'm aware that supports it is uh, Bing health and fitness and you can turn it on but i don't think it'll be too long before some of the third party fitness applications get into that as well and that was uh, kind of a technology that apple introduced you know, with the iphone 5 uh, with their motion chip and has been found in a lot of high-end devices but we haven't seen it in all that many low-end devices and so 630 kind of interesting that that kind of next generation of sensor technologies is in at that low cost device so giving some real extra value and it, it comes back to something we've commented on before is you know for a lot of people these mid-tier or low-end devices will offer better all-round value for money than some of the high-end stuff and it really depends what you want to do with your phone you know if you're not looking to have an amazing camera you probably don't need the such a high-end device now i think a lot of people listening to this podcast will say i want the nice device the better materials you know, a bit faster process and all that kind of thing um but again it does kind of position windows phone as a pretty attractive uh, platform to choose if you're going after a low-end device and it doesn't look like nokia is going to be the only one doing those uh, low-end devices but i'll hand back to steve because i know you've been using the 630 for about a week now uh, you know you would presumably switch to using one yourself but would you recommend it to other people I think I would at the new end of the market. One thing I've, I've often said about Windows Phone is that it's very forgiving, um, by which I mean that you can hand a Windows Phone to anybody, whether they're a kid or a newbie or an old oldie, if I may use that term, <laughs> and they can basically, they can start up games and just mash the start key down and they can, they can, you know, we, we're used to managing our applications, making, making a note to watch running in RAM, managing the, the, the minutest resources in our smartphones, but new users don't know that. They just go m tapping on everything they can see and on, for example, an Android phone, it's very easy to get to a stage where the if the applications misbehave, the whole phone starts getting very warm, the battery starts going south, 
and basically they get into real trouble. They hand it to me and say, Steve, can you fix it? Well, with a Windows phone, it's actually, oh, I did an iPhone, I, I guess I should also say, you can just hit the, hit the start key in this case, and uh, everything in the background gets tombstoned or very restrained, and you don't get that the problem of the battery being drained by runaway processors. It's very forgiving in that regard. And I've got the situations with the 520 that I hand to my nephews and nieces, and I can leave it with them for a couple of hours. And in that time, they will start something like 50 to 100 games. I've really got it stashed up with games. And not once will they back out of a game. Every single time, they'll hit the start key. And, and yet, it carries on quite happily. There's no noticeable loss in, in response or any, any lag creeping, creeping up because the operating system is very, very forgiving of those sort of new users. And I think the 630 is just the same. Um, you can give it to your, literally to your mum or your, your granny or your three-year-old uh, niece and they'll all be equally happy, and they can tap away, and it will stay responsive, and, and it will basically not go wrong on them, and I think that's definitely a, a step forward. Um, just before you carry on, Rafe, I have a secret theory about the 630. Well, I, think, I think it was designed as the 530, the, the hardware, and the reason the hardware is missing the front-facing camera, the reason the screen uh, has the, the, you know, the lack of the ambient brightness sensor is because it was all designed as a 530, and at the last minute they thought, well, hang on, um, we've got this new next-generation chipset with the sensor core and the Snapdragon 400, etc., etc. Let's try and just raise it up a bit. We'll call it a 630 and give ourselves room to go beneath it if we need to. But I think that the basic hardware specification, when that was set in stone, when the design was done, it was basically the 520's replacement uh, as a 530. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and a lot of people will, will treat it as such. And indeed, what's really going to happen is the 530 will be a new, new low end in the sense that Windows Phone will have never been there before. If we think the uh, 630 is that £100 price point, which in the UK we certainly come to associate with the 520, um, maybe the 530 will be 80 or £75. Now, all of those prices will go down over time, and the 630 will be no exception. Um, I'm not sure that Steve's theory is necessarily completely accurate, but actually in consumers' minds, I think that's spot on, really. Um, yeah. It is worth remembering that the 630 is going to come in a couple of variants in that there is a dual SIM version for some markets, and there's a 60, uh, 6035, or sorry, the 635, which has uh, you know, different radios in it. And actually, just recently, Microsoft announced a couple of variants as well for the Chinese market with, again, different cellular radios in them but it's pretty clear it's going to become one of these new sort of best-selling low-end windows phone devices um yeah. and i would fully expect whether it'll get to the same level as the the 520 in terms of the share i think that's unlikely because there'll be more models around and so i do think there will still be a, a 530 but i look at this and go it's a really good place to have this windows phone 8.1 launch device uh, because that's where it's found its success. And there is the 930 coming along in a month or so. Um, we haven't actually got any more news to share on that. Hopefully in a, a future podcast, we'll be able to tell you a bit more about that. Uh, but I was certainly impressed when I saw the success, just to sort of see that much foam for the money that it's being sold for. You know, it, it, it does push the boundaries back a bit, and there's some nice things in there. And I'm looking forward to using one myself for a few weeks. Yeah. I'm going to... It, it's maybe not the device I'd use as my prime one, but I'm going to switch over for a few weeks actually to try out some of the new new functionality. Um, but while we're talking about uh, kind of low-end devices, Steve, perhaps we should talk just a little bit about something that got announced at Computex uh, this week because there was some questions about you know, Microsoft has announced all these new licensees back at MWC. Would they actually deliver anything? And we've kind of seen the first signs of that now, haven't we? 
Yeah, well, I think the, the the tipping point was when they said, "Okay, that's it. We're scrapping the license fees. You can all you can all make Windows phones now and not have to pay us a penny or a cent, I guess." And indeed, we they were showing off at Computex, at Microsoft, on their in their keynote. Uh, the Yes Billy, apparently named after Bill Gates, believe it or not, the Yes Billy 4.7 inch, the Prestigio Multiphone 8500 Duo. Uh, I'm not quite sure the screen size. There's probably around five inches. Most of these are the blue five inch, the Wistron Tiger six and a half inch screen phablet. Now that that might need more discussion. I doubt that would doubt we'll ever see many of these over in the UK. But hey, cut the Compal six inches, another phablet, fifteen twenty size. The Infocus five inches, the Pegatron Oasis at five inches, and the Quantec ruggedized Windows Phone eight point one. All of these devices are obviously eight point one. They're all obviously no license fee to Microsoft. The manufacturers are going ahead with it. It just remains to be seen, I guess, Ray, exactly how wide the distribution of these will be when they actually hit the market. I suspect that at least half of them will probably just stay in Asia. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, all of these manufacturers are kind of uh, local ones. At least they don't have necessarily global distribution. I mean, some of them are starting to distribute outside their, their home markets, but the ones that can, none of us recognize in terms of the names are it's either a lot of them are India or China or some of the other Asian markets. But nonetheless, it does demonstrate that Microsoft seems to have had some success in persuading these companies to, you know, take on, you know, Windows Phone and try it out. I think a lot of the reason for this, as you say, is the license fee. But the other big important factor is having the reference design from Qualcomm. What that means is these companies can basically take something off the shelf and design a case around it uh, and then make a product available. And it's notable that a couple of these do have very similar Android equivalents from the same manufacturers. And it feels like some of these manufacturers have gone, okay, we've got an Android device with that specification. We can just put Windows Phone on it and it doesn't cost us as much as developing a Windows Phone device from scratch. Now, that probably um, makes it sound a lot simpler than it really is to produce these devices. But certainly it's a lot easier than the previous generation of Windows Phone devices. Um, I wonder how well some of these will sell. I mean, in a lot of cases, that whole uh, model we're talking about in terms of reference design licensing means that you can actually make profit even if you're just selling to a single operator customer. You can afford to create these phones and you know, do a relatively small uh, run in terms of the, the um, manufacturing kind of run. It may be just a couple of hundred thousand devices or potentially even less than that. Uh, that's the way some of these markets are operating now in the factories are kind of set up to do that sort of thing, whereas, of course, uh, a company like Microsoft now with its ex-Nokia factories uh, are producing devices in the hundreds, if not the millions, um, in terms of unit quantities. Some of these devices actually look pretty attractive. You know, we haven't seen any of these in person, and I think, as Steve says, we're probably unlikely to. We are going to try and get hold of some of them, and we may be able to see them at a future Microsoft event. Um, I, I wonder, you know, in the kind of Western market, whether there's really an appeal to have that when there's some good offerings uh, from Nokia. But we may see a couple of operators pick these up and brand them as their own devices, as happens in the Android world. But I think the main attention for this is actually going to be out in places like India and China, where things are very, very price competitive. And even a £5 difference in local currencies can make a, a difference. And sometimes operators will do a deal with one of these smaller manufacturers to get a particular device. Um, and of course, you know, if you look at some of the Chinese OEMs who aren't so much represented here, you know, they've had some pretty good innovations around 
how they sell the devices. I think the poster child for that is really Xiaomi that does all of its sales online, cutting out the middleman and tends, tends, tends to do them in limited batches as well. It's very, very early days for Windows Phone in that space, but Android has enjoyed considerable success. I mean, that's the reason really that Android has come to dominate those markets far more so than it does in, in say, Western Europe or, or the States where there's a much, it's not quite an even split because Android is actually dominant in Europe. But if you look at the States where it's almost 50-50 between Android and iOS, there's a big contrast in those emerging markets, more price sensitive and also in a slightly different way, the uh, operators will do deals with manufacturers. You know, these own brand phones have actually done really well and represent significant portions of the market. So kind of interesting update from Computex and a little bit of frustration that we can't sort of give you more information on them or, or tell them about them. But uh, the truth is, uh, with the exception of variations around screen size, there's very little difference in hardware terms between them, simply because they're all based off the same reference design. Now, over time, it is possible for those to get customised a bit more. There are different component choices that can be made around the camera and things like that. I think I would be comfortable saying at this stage in the process that most of those devices aren't going to feel quite as so well put together in terms of component choice as some of the uh, Lumia devices, simply because they don't have the same level of experience and don't spend the same amount of time developing the device. That doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad thing, because obviously there's a, a price penalty you pay, but uh, worth keeping an eye uh, an update on anyway so i mean i don't know you you had a quick look through the photos of some of these devices was there one that you'd be willing to uh pick up just on the basis of looks alone well the the billy one looked rather nice in terms of vibrant colors and materials but uh, i think you, you can't really tell just from a few small photographs and a, and a brief snatch of video do if you're listening to this do see the video embedded in the story on the site all about windowsphone.com because uh, it's about eight minutes long and it, the guy basically wave, picks each of them off, a sh- off the shelf and waves them around and you can kind of get a, a rough idea of the size and a rough idea of the materials but as Rafe says you really do have to have hands on and that, it's unlikely we'll get hands on with very many of these I, I guess but um, moving on quickly Rafe we, before we go long again <laughs> and there were a few updates and applications I wanted to mention um, I don't know whether you saw the Xbox music update a couple of days ago uh, now, in Windows Phone 8.1, the music player that was in Windows Phone 8 is now Xbox Music. Right? They've, they've literally ditched a whole set of code and, and brought in, adapted the existing Xbox Music Store client to become, to become a general music player. And the latest update, you get uh, faster scrolling of song lists. You can add more than 100 songs to your playback queue. You can have um, transparent t- live mm-hmm. tile background. Yeah. But they, they, the Xbox music team do say that, um, that there's quite a bit still in the pipeline and that they're committing, I think, to a, a, a new update every two weeks. But I guess one question for you, Rafe, is um, will they just drop the Xbox bit and just call it music after a while? Because if you look in the app list on your Windows Phone 8.1 device, it just says music. It's, it's, you know, it's not under X, it's under M. So maybe they'll just drop the Xbox bit altogether and it will just become music part of Windows Phone 8.1. Yeah, I can only speculate at this point in time because they've obviously also got the mixed radio uh, brand that they need to do something with. I mean, I would have a sort of sneaky bet that it might become Lumia Mixed Radio. Uh, I think that Xbox will remain around for the time being simply because it's a brand that uh, Microsoft uses elsewhere, obviously, in its console device. And it does seem to be being using that for some of the kind of the video and the TV services as well. But it may become sort of less obvious on the phone, particularly as you're talking about in that app launch. And frankly, I quite like the fact that I find music under M rather than under X for Xbox Music. You know, 
we actually talked about this last week in kind of the continuous pattern of updates and it is something that's new for windows phone 8.1 and this is just another example of it and i really like the idea of this kind of continuous pattern of development where you do get a an update every two weeks maybe a bit annoying in that you, you know, have new app updates to download but um, speaking personally i've actually set my windows phone 8.1 device to update app updates automatically and i just get notified about them in um, uh, action center which is you know a good way to do it because frankly i don't want to have to go and download apps manually i used to come back to old device and find that i had sort of 80 app updates waiting for me uh, so yeah it's a, a nice one to have it may be a bit shallow of me to say this but i was uh, most pleased with this update with actually having the transparent targets it made my uh, photo background on my windows phone 8.1 device just look a little bit better can i ask what your photo background is it's uh there's some crashing uh sea waves so it's kind of blues and greens and white spray all mixed together and it just looks a bit strange when there's a bit missing for one of the apps that doesn't yet have a transparent tile so it, it is incredibly shallow thing to ask for but i'd urge all developers to have a, a transparent tile i know there's been a bit of a push on the windows so developer blocks for that as well just like to add my voice to that um, i know there's been a, an update from the Nokia camera. Now, this is the beta software, so not everyone will be getting this. This is just if you kind of decided to live on the cutting edge. And I know a man who rather likes his cameras and imaging stuff, so I'm pretty sure Steve is going to be able to tell us about this. And um, actually, this is partly preparing for kind of the living images, which is a big part of Lumia Sign, isn't it, Steve? Well, more than preparing, it actually lets you play with them to a limited extent because there's a trick and we detailed it in the story this was discovered by some bright spark out there and it quickly spread through the windows phone uh, uh, web sphere as it were if you go into the nokia camera beta and go into settings and then tap on use default settings bizarrely that actually enables the living images support even though the claimed prerequisite of science isn't actually out yet so obviously as you can imagine it's fairly limited in that uh, after you've taken a photograph using Nokia Camera Beta. If you then tap on the top left little gallery icon, it shows you the living image, i.e. a few, a few, well, a few tenths of a second of, of different frames of video of the subject before, just before the photograph was taken. And you can then swipe back through different living images you've taken. If you then go out back out to the normal camera roll, of course, they're not living. That that part hasn't been upgraded yet. So it's clear that whole chunks of the OS and chunks of Nokia's other modules have to be tied into this, and that will all arrive in Lumia Siam. But in the meantime, it's really fun to play with Rafe, and I was quite interested to see technically how they've done it. And I dug deep into into Geekland and found that. But back in the good old days, Rafe, you take a photograph and there will be a JPEG file. <laughs> then we had the Nokia dual capture POV system on the 1520, 930, and uh, 1020, of course, whereby you had a JPEG and you had a, an underscore high res dot JPEG, obviously much bigger file and bigger byte size. With, if you take living images, uh, you've now got four files being created for each photo, but the, the extra two, uh, one is the, the actual kind of the movie frames, if you like, and one is a, a movie a sort of thumbnail, um, but basically one single frame at 720p. Um, and the two of those combined add up to about just over a megabyte. So it, compared to the actual JPEG sizes of the photographs you're taking, it's not significant. So it, it's not really bloating out your, you know, using up your space too much, which is a, probably a, a good compromise. You can do the t take living images. And it's not going to run away with your disk space, as, as indeed it would do if you, for example, chose to, to do raw capture, which absolutely eats your disk space at a ferocious pace. So I think Nokia have done a really good job with the implementation here. 
it's very limited at the moment. I'm looking forward to being able to use it in all the different <laughs> camera-related applications, that they, like Storyteller, for example, so that they, they all show the living images all the time. But when you browse through these and you just see the, you know, the person just start to smile and then, then there's a smile as the photo's taken or the, the, the cat is moving across the room and then it freezes for the photograph, it's a really, really effective way of bringing photos to life. And I know it kind of sounds like I'm going along with Nokia's marketing speak, but the living images, they really do look like they're living and it's great fun. Yeah, I was really impressed when I, I saw the demo of this. I haven't tried it on a real device yet. Uh, and this idea of the living images and blurring the lines between videos and photos, I think is something that's kind of a, a coming thing. It, we have seen other manufacturers do something similar. I mean, I think HTC with its Zoe implementation has kind of done this in that having uh, three second captures of video. It'll be interesting to see how well received this is, because I actually think the distinction between images and, and videos is a bit artificial. And I'm surprised Nokia hasn't done stuff here before. Again, I should refer to it as Microsoft. I'll get there in the end, dear listeners of this podcast. <laughs> um, you know, actually, in this MP4 file, you're only getting, I think it's 10 or so frames. It's just enough to you know, give it that sense of movement. And I too really like the idea of this, because you know when you're browsing through lots of photos, you know, just having them come alive as you're doing things and this is obviously designed for use on the phone but there'll also i think be a social element to this in that if you're uploading to uh, twitter or facebook or something like that you know that can go up as well because obviously the resolutions we're talking about are perfectly adequate for that kind of social sharing usage Um, and they're also going to be put into uh, videos um via you know the new the new tools that are coming along you know i do question does this be a novelty does it wear off after a while but then i think about the kind of services that have already done things like this and it's you know, instagram video and vine you know, associated with twitter and you go actually that has kind of popularized this idea of you know, still images just having a bit of life to them something a bit extra and so i think you know probably a lot more thought has gone into this implementation how it's going to be presented than might be you know the case at first glance it's not just sort of trying to be gimmicky it's actually trying to give something extra to the way you take these photos but more importantly kind of recall the memories and so i'm standing a bit like a, a shield for Nokia's marketing department or the lumia marketing department too but i really like the idea of this and i think it's something that i i will personally enjoy using far more than i have things like cinemagraph which have felt more like an add-on however smart they are on the technology underlying them you know, don't get me wrong i think the innovation there is really impressive but having your whole photo album come alive feels to me like something i'll appreciate and use yeah. a lot more and so as with steve i'm looking forward to actually trying this out once it's all the bits are in place um, yeah. i'm going to have to get the beta installed and try the little uh, trick to get it all working the crucial thing rafe is the fact that you don't have to pre-think beforehand exactly. oh i want to take an animated photograph but like in cinemagraph you've got to a pre in a premeditated way, I think I'm going to try a special effect now, and that takes setting up and it takes thought. This way, you just turn on the living images and you forget about it. You take the normal photographs you'd have taken anyway, and when you browse back later in the camera roll when it's eventually updated or in the Nokia camera beta, hey, they've all come alive and it's done to- totally automatically. Absolutely, and the fact that this is a relatively small size, it's not actually you know full on video as we've seen in kind of other implementations means it's quite realistic to turn this on just for everything and forget about it and then just have it in the background. And I really like that because the problem with video on smartphones and mobile devices in general, it takes an awful lot of 
space. And even if you're on a 4G network, you know, having it go up into the cloud and the storage issue sorted out that way, it's still not really practical because most people are on relatively limited data plans. Now, when I say relatively limited, I'm talking a couple of gigabytes can easily be used by video without really thinking about it. And so I kind of like this idea. In time, obviously, I'd like everything to sort of move towards video and be able to pick out individual frames, but we're not there yet. This feels like a really sensible kind of stopgap, or at least an implementation that you know, respects the fact you've got limited amount of storage space and you've got limited kind of data uh, capacity, particularly in the up direction, but potentially also in the in the down direction as well. You know, these are small enough that actually you could view them, you know, in social media, just as you do in the you know the Twitter or the Vine clients. So really quite smart. I know we've got time for just a couple of um, app picks. Steve, I think we need something seasonal given what's kicking off uh, tomorrow as we record this and probably today as we publish this uh, podcast. So anything you can tell me about the World Cup 2014 app? I knew you were going to get some pun or other in there. Kicking off, very good, yes. Oh, no. um, well, it turns out there are an, actual, an awful lot of World Cup 2014 applications from scheduling to results to all Every possible flavour, there are dozens of the blessed things in the Windows Phone store, as indeed there are in the other mobile app stores. But uh, I, I, I did the work for our, our gentle listeners and readers. I, I browsed through a load of the reviews and star ratings, and I tried a few of them out. And I think I've picked what is possibly the best. And certainly it's free, so why not? It's just called World Cup 2014. It's not a unique name, so do go via the link in our story. Um, it's got matches, standings, players, results, and you can drill down. It's, and within a match, it's even show you, you know, who who scored when and who did what and who got sent off. It's, it, presumably, it's all fed by some sort of data backend, and and it so you could basically you have the application and the results get streamed in live. So and it's all totally free with a couple of ads here and there to monetize it. So very very nicely done. And uh, see the link in the show notes. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Steve. Now I'm gonna have another app pick but it's an app pick in a bad way and this is the pinterest uh, application the official one of which has appeared in the last 24 hours or so and normally i'd be very pleased to see an official app and there's been actually a whole bunch in the last uh, week or so since we recorded the last podcast quite a lot of local specific ones rather than sort of uh, big ones but pinterest you know it's a, a way of sharing interesting pins or images bits of information not everyone will be familiar with it but it is one of those ones that sometimes got talked about in the context of the app gap and things like Instagram. It's available as a beta currently on Windows Phone 8, but actually all it is is a simple web wrapper around the mobile site. And so it feels like a bit of a letdown, particularly when you compare it to some of the other official apps out there. And I fear this is sometimes what happens with the Windows Phone apps. You know, companies want to get into every app store for understandable reasons. But if you're going to do it, I, I do think particularly with an app like this, you actually need to make an effort to, to integrate it properly. And it, it does mean it's pretty limited in what it can do. When you're in a web wrapper, it's, for example, it's very hard to implement any kind of sh sharing um, functionality. And so, for example, this app does not integrate into the sharing framework on Windows Phone, which makes it impossible uh, to add stuff to it easily you know, from your own collection, be that a web page or a photo that you've taken. And that does strike me as a shame. You know, people are going to use this. And honestly, I can't see that that many people um, would use it um, over using the mobile website. Uh, you know, it's great, works as a browsing tool, but just doing a, a basic web wrapper without anything else really feels like a bit of a disappointment in this day and age, even if it is, you know, supposedly filling a bit of an app gap. So more effort needed, please, Pinterest. Uh, and in the meantime, go and download some of the other applications that we've written about on the site recently because there's a lot of good ones out there 
and uh, I'll certainly be downloading the World Cup one so I can keep up to date with every ball that's kicked and every tantrum that's thrown in every penalty shootout that England manages to lose, which I guess will just be one probably against the Germans at some point. I didn't know you had the spare time to keep up with the World Cup, Rafe, but I'm impressed. I guess with this application, you don't actually need to watch the hours and hours of football. Exactly, exactly. I don't have time <laughs> to watch the football matches, but I do have time to spend 30 seconds looking at an app. And Brilliant. if it gets really exciting, I guess I'll have to hop onto BBC yeah. iPlayer or ITV Player and uh, catch the last few minutes of the highlights. I think we're almost done, Rafe. Any last words from you? Now, I think that's a, a good place to draw to our close, our 100th episode. I would like to say thank you to everybody for listening. We're going to have more on the devices next time, hopefully a bit more reporting on the uh, 6.30, also some more imaging stuff coming. And it's not all that long until we'll get the 9.30 and some of the Lumia Science stuff we're talking about. We'll also get Steve talking about some more imaging pieces because we know that's always popular. But I'd say thank you very much to everyone for listening and a big thank you to my co-host, Steve. Pleasure as always. Yes, thank you, Rafe. And we will catch you all next week on the Insight Podcast. Bye for now.